You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Six Rings and Football Things is back one final time for Cadillac's Crucial Clashes season finale we have the four-win Patriots hosting the six-win Jets in a border war battle. Oh, that yeah. might also be Bill Belichick's last game as the head coach of the New England Patriots. He is Mike Cadlick, WEEIs.com's beat writer for the Patriots. I'm Andy Jumbo Hart. You know me from, I don't know, flapping my gums. Everywhere. Flapping my fingers and whatever the hell. <laughs> um, season finale. You know me from flopping. Yeah, he pretty much. flops around. Yeah. Yep, I'm I'm a I'm a flopper. And as I look out my window, by the way, we're recording. I will say this because I see snowflakes falling, which I didn't know was a thing uh, as we record. But snowflakes will apparently seemingly be. I know Bill Belichick's big on like you wait till Sunday before you talk about the weather, but it feels like unless the forecasters really porked the pooch on this one, we're gonna have snow at Gillette Stadium yep. on Sunday. And the rookies had. Rookies had their snow brooms in their lockers. This, I this saw that. Day. I like so. That. Um, Bill doesn't just look on Sunday. He he has nope. them ready to go. Right. Um, but I actually would appreciate some snow on Sunday because I think that would add a layer of entertainment value, visual yep. value to a game that um, otherwise might not be the uh, most exciting. Although I will say, you look across the NFL week uh, 18, there's going to be a lot of backups starting. A lot of teams are resting starters, Kansas City, yep. Baltimore, like different places. Um the Patriots aren't resting their starter because now Bailey Zappi is their starter. I don't know who the starter is for the Jets. It's Aaron Rodgers, but he just does Pat McAfee podcasts and talk about the Epstein list and all those things. <laughs> um, but before we get into the matchups and the game, the snow, the weather, those types of things, um, that's not really the talking point in Patriot Nation all year. I mentioned it. Um, the possibility that this could be Bill Belichick's final football game as the head coach, GM, whatever, of the New England Patriots, probably appropriately against the Jets, the team that he uh, moved on from as the HC of the NYJ long ago to become Patriots head coach. Um, so Mike Cadlick, we've talked about this on and off all year since things went south. Um, where are you right now on your Belichick getting fired, traded, retiring meter? Yeah, um, I am someone who is constantly on the fence of things like this and I'll jump one way and then I'll jump the next way. And I've done that back and forth um, really ever since like 
the Dallas game when they got blown out. I was like, all right, something's got to give here. Like we got to figure something out, whether it's head coach, whether it's court, like something has to change. And then obviously the, the, uh, the Germany game happens and then the current report comes out of the Germany game. And, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, this is, this is real. And so at that point I was like, Oh yeah, he's gone. And then I sort of started to soften up. I'm like, well, maybe Robert will get cold feet. And now we're three and three over our last six and uh, things are getting a little better. So uh, long story short, I don't know. And I really I like it. What I think they should do is move on from Bill. I think it's time. Like personally, I think they should go get an offensive head coach and bring in a quarterback with their top pick and reset this thing from the ground up on offense, get a new QB, new system, new OC, like gut it out. And, and that's nothing. I don't want to say that's nothing against Bill because they, they've struggled the last couple of years, but I can appreciate what Bill has done and also kind of realize maybe it is time. And so what they will do though, man, it's, it's tough. And that's why I say, I don't know, because and I was talking about this yesterday with, uh, Someone, for, someone from Nesson. I think one of the, one of the Nesson camera guys, and we were basically saying that um, when a decision comes out next week, we're going to be shocked, but we're probably not going to be shocked at what the decision is. Like, like when it's like, oh, oh, wow, it's finally here. But then it's like, oh, okay, they're moving on. Well, that makes sense. They sucked, or oh, they're keeping them. Oh, that makes sense. It's Bill Belichick. So. Right. <clears throat> I think they should move on. What they're going to do, I- I'm torn. There's reports on both sides right now, and I, I really have no feeling either way. Yeah, I-, I agree with that last part about, not that you have no feeling either way. I don't I don't agree with that part. Yeah. Um, but I agree with, there's Plan going to be a wow, line here. <laughs> a wow, yes. and then a rationalization. Like, it's easy to mm-hmm. argue why whatever you, because he's Bill Belichick. He's been there 24 years. So no matter what happens, it's a huge deal. It's like Brady had he come back, I would have been like, wow, he caved again and he came back or wow, he left and he told them to go screw like that because of the figure at the center of it all, there's wow. And I don't think you're the only one waffling. Um, mm-hmm. I think Mike Reese has been sort of in a weird world trying to cover this and, and playing up the idea. Yeah, He's of, back on bring. He's bringing bill back all the way. Yeah. With Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and yeah. the whole damn band and like more assistant coaches and than anybody. So, did you see Jeremy Fowler yesterday? ESPN said that uh, co- coaches are assistant coaches are starting to look for opportunities elsewhere. So I, I found would, that if interesting. I would, I would. Yeah, and so I, I'm curious what you make of like you know we we have Tom Curran reporting that it's over, and then we have Rappaport, who's national, saying that well a decision has been made, and. You know, Greg Bedard says that this, you know, the things with with Gerard are coming out, and so like, I guess my and then Graziano and Fowler yesterday on ESPN both say that they expect there to be a mutual parting of ways. Like, do you buy into like what the national guys and Graziano and Fowler say? Like, I feel like they're just kind of using league sources and not anybody inside the building. I think there's a lot of that. Like, I think sometimes when they say the expectation is like they phrase it yeah. that way. I think they're talking to a GM in the NFC North. Like, and he's a leak source, but he's not any more informed than you and I are. Like, he's just because he works for the Vikings or he works for the Packers doesn't mean he knows what the hell is going on in New England. Um, So, yeah, it's now I would be looking, I would be covering my own bases if I were an assistant coach. I'd be like, hey, just FYI, you know, I'm kind of a weak, 
week away from who knows what happening here. What are you doing over there? Like, what are you looking for? But the other thing that I would say is that feels like if that's true and it's it's warranted by those guys, doesn't that also feel like maybe it's not Mayo? Even if they move on from Bill and these guys are like, right. are they, is Mayo also not the guy? Um, because if it's Mayo, I would think a lot of those guys would be trying to nuzzle up to Mayo and stick around under the, the Mayo uh, regime. That's true. So I still think Bill's gone. I don't know how exactly it's going to be packaged. Like I pushed back on the crapsheet report last weekend when he said they're not going to fire him. It's going to be they they want to part ways. And I'm like, well, Bill has to be on board on that because if you want to move on and Bill says, I don't want to move on, you have to fire him. Like there's no right mutual parting of ways. So and and then if they're if they're going to mutually part ways. Doesn't that mean they've already had the conversation that everybody says they haven't had? Like everybody's reported they haven't had the conversation, right? Bill and and Robert right. and Jonathan. So how do you know you're mutually parting ways if you haven't talked about mutually parting ways? Like 100%. That's coming from one side saying we want to mutually part right. ways. We just haven't talked about that yet. Right? And and one side doesn't control a situation. Hell, we learned that this week when Bill Belichick uh, went outside his comfort zone, did something he doesn't do when asked about Trent Brown practicing and says, well, he's, I don't think he's on the injury report. Well, Bill usually says the injury report will be coming out later today. He doesn't preview what's right. on it. He said he's not on the injury report. The injury report came out. Trent Brown has an illness and didn't practice. So I think that's one side trying to force something on the other side. And the other side said, F right. you, you can't force me to do anything kind of thing. Um, yep. So the mutual parting of ways when a meeting hasn't happened to me is not, it, it's not possible. Like now I guess you also don't have to meet, like they do work in the same building and they do have assistants was there and, yesterday. Right. Kraft was there yesterday, but like, you know, maybe bears told, maybe bears met with Robert and said, Bill wants out. And Robert's like, right. phew, cause we want him out and this is going to be perfect. Right. Um, and I guess that would be technically they haven't met, but if the information has been shared within, it's going to be, it is going to be absolutely fascinating to see what happens next week. Like as, as much as I, as much as it's like, I don't want to use the word sad, but as much as like, it's wild that, you know, this whole thing's coming to an end. Like I'm also excited to see like how it actually plays out. Like next week is going to be enjoyable. Is that the right word? Like it, it's, what's the word Depends I'm on for? It's, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting. I guess it's going to be very interesting, interesting to actually definitely... watch it unfold. And, and, and you're living history. Like people are yeah. going to look back for years at point two, how it ended, why it ended. Did it end properly? What was the result of the ending for both parties? We've seen that with Brady and the Patriots, obviously. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in it. I, I also think, so right now we are um, breaking down the reports of what people think could happen, would happen, should happen. We're also going to have to delve into what we are sold and what reality is like, there's going to be a, a certain package that is pushed by the crafts, by Belichick, by whatever. And it's going to be up to us to dig through that. And, and well, that's right. true, but I'm not sure that's true. And like kind of delve into it. Okay. So you're on the fence. You have no idea. I say he gone. Um, if he is indeed gone, one of the obvious candidates is Gerard Mayo because he yep. was seen as the coach in waiting. I think the timeline has been screwed up. I think, 
they planned on Bill Belichick coaching this year and next year, and then Gerard Mayo taking over and nice, like, ooh, Bo and Ty. Eight, eight wins, eight wins yep. each each season, beat Shula. Here we go. Yep, and obviously it hasn't happened. Bottomed out, bad year, ugly year, all that went on. Gerard Mayo was reportedly rubbing people the wrong way, according to Boston Sports Journal. So he spoke this week, and I thought um, – Basically held a job interview for anybody who wanted to listen, explaining himself, um, getting very um, honest in his response to the reports that he's rubbing people the wrong way, honest in that he looked around and like who would say that and kind of then went into self-reflection mode. But then even other answers about his philosophies, his culture building, his differences from Bill. I thought he made a lot of points that were very intentionally I'm not Bill Belichick. I, I teach from a position of love. Um, I don't think anybody would ever accuse Bill of teaching from a position of love. Um, he talked about diversity and diversity of age and thought and ideas and and being a why coach now, you have to tell players why. You didn't have to do that when Gerard Mayo was a player. And I thought all of that felt very intentional to get out there. And to, whether that's to Robert Kraft or josh harris or david tepper or right. somebody else who's looking for a young head coach because we know it's a, a young head coaches are the the rage like that's that's the nfl these days now more more trending toward offense and gerard mayo is obviously mm -hmm. a defensive coach um but what did you think of gerard mayo's overall comments and let's just pretend bill is gone do you think mm -hmm. gerard mayo still could be the next head coach is the next head coach or will not be the next head coach um, I thought his comments were awesome. Like I, that was, it was very, uh, awesome, calculated, um, real anti bill. Yep. And I think that that was the point. And that's why I say they were calculated. I think when that report came out from, from Bedard and Boston sports journal a few weeks ago, I'm sure that Mayo and, uh, you know, his, his team sort of were like, okay, how can we attack this? in a way that can help me moving forward. And so next time I speak and someone asks me about it, the first thing he said was, I appreciate you asking that. Right. And then he went on, then he went on his whole, his whole rant. And I thought it was, it's good to hear and see, you know, someone or see him, you know, speak like that because that is sort of the coach that these players gravitate towards now. And it, all the stuff you just mentioned and not just knowing the why, but understanding what these players go through on a day-to-day -day basis. I think uh, Adrian Phillips talked about it a few weeks ago with, uh, was it with you guys or was it Gresham Fourier? I don't know if it was with you when you were on. But oh, yeah. He basically he met, he mentioned on the radio just about Mayo and how he he understands from a player, not just what we go through, you know, in the building, but outside the building and, you know, all that stuff. And so that's really the like, I think that that was his him building his resume as a head coach. And so um, the the one, you know, pushback I have on Mayo is just that he's not an offensive coach. Like, that's really it. Because it, this has been my thing ever since we started talking about a new head coach is that, you know, quarterback is the most important position in football and offense is the more important side, whether you want to, you know, believe it or not. And I know defense wins championships and yada, 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 but, you know, off, it's an offensive league now. And so when you bring in a new quarterback and you build your system around a quarterback and you have an offensive head coach, he's the head coach. And so your offensive system stays in place throughout that quarterback's entire career where if Mayo's here and it's Bill O'Brien or it's Josh McDaniels or it's any other offensive assistant under the sun, they call the offense for three years. The offense succeeds. They leave. 
they go get a head coaching job. And so now you kind of have to reset with a new OC and you got to give them a new play caller. And even if it's the same system, it's still an adjustment. I mean, you saw it in Buffalo this year, like Ken Dorsey and Joe Brady, same system, different play caller. The offense has completely changed. Now it's for the better in that situation, but it's hard to get back on track. So that's the only pushback I have on Mayo. Um, but I liked his answer about rubbing people in the wrong way and how that's kind of what you have to do as a leader. Um, and that's what Bill has done around here forever. I mean, nobody loved, not everybody loves Bill Belichick. Not everybody hates Bill Belichick. You know, you kind of got to get under people's skin and you got to push them to the limit and things like that. And I think Mayo, basically what he said was, I can tell the line between pissing people off and having their backs and being a player's coach, but also holding them accountable. And so long story short, I think he has a good chance of being the head coach here. Um, I don't think that that report from Greg will make Robert and Jonathan, you know, hold back on anything. Um, I just, I do. I think, I think he's, he's in line to, to be the next head coach when it's all said and done. Well, he, he sold me. I wrote the column on, on WEI.com. Mm-hmm. I, I bought what he was selling hook, line and sinker. Uh, I would hire him today. The only person that I have that I would open uh, the possibility of listening to. I've also been sold on Jim Harbaugh as just a yeah, um, program builder. I think it's a short window. You're, you're getting Harbaugh for like four or five years. It'll probably not end great um, in terms of your relationship with him, but it might end with you in like the Super Bowl or back to, you know, right. contending organization. You know, I, I, somebody compared him to Bill Parcells and I think there's some truth there. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. He goes 100%. someplace. He'll turn it around. He's going to piss people off at some point. It's going to end poorly, but you'll be a better overall organization with him there. That's what he did from Stanford to San right. Fran. That's what he did from San Fran to Michigan. And now he's bought, he's kind of pushing his way yep. out of Michigan. Like it's, that's exactly what he is. Um, so, but I do like the idea of Mayo and I'm going to, I'm going to push back a little, the offensive thing. Um, and I, I know it's a new time. We're going to argue on the last clashes. Let's go argue, but I'm just going to say pushback. That was a nice way to yeah. say. Yeah. Well, but I would also look at, and again, history doesn't necessarily matter. You're talking about modern football where offensive coaches sure. have turned a lot of teams around and you pair them with a quarterback and that whole thing. But I would also say there's plenty of examples. First of all, the best coaches of the generation head coaches mm-hmm. are defense. Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, like, the, the last few years, Bill Cower was in there. Tony Dungy was in there. Like, But can I give you, like, Andy Reid? And can sure. I give you Sean McVay? And can I give you... Sure. Well, that's... McVay's more modern. Andy Reid, I would say, I think is a great okay, coach. But also couldn't get over the hump for a while until he got Patrick Mahomes, which is all in there. I would also... The idea that you have to be what your head coach is, is a modern one. Wherein you look at like a Harbaugh in Baltimore, mm-hmm. special teams coach, they he kind of runs it as a CEO, and they change coordinators, and they've had ups and downs. I would also go to Brian Billick's run in Baltimore, where he arrived from Minnesota, where he had Randy Moss and that whole offense, mm-hmm. and the Ravens were a defensive team basically his entire tenure. Like they were winning Super True. Bowls because of the defense. So. This idea that you have to be like it's a direct line between head coach's area of expertise, success, failure, what you are like. And I I think Gerard Mayo was selling himself on uh, being a CEO, being a I'll run the organization the way it needs to be run kind of thing. And so I just a little bit of pushback on that. I understand it. I understand wanting to pair at this juncture, probably a new quarterback with a, a head coach that they can then ride off into the glorious world of the next 10 years or something like I understand that um mentality 
but I, you know, different ways to skin a cat, I guess I'd say. No, and I do get that the Baltimore one is a good point too, because um, I mean, they've gone from what Greg Roman was their OC and they yep. had success. And then that kind of ran its course. And then now Todd Monken's there from Georgia and they're back on track and they're probably there. The numbers aren't there, but I think like Lamar looks like a better player mm-hmm. and the offense mm-hmm. looks more efficient than it I mean, did even when he, he might was win the MVP. He might be the exactly. MVP under the first year with right. Duncan. Like, so the results are speaking for themselves. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Last right. big picture question before we slide into the game. And it's a little bit about the game. So cool. you hear people wanting to lose and tank the game. Um, I push back on that because I don't know how you'd tank. Because I don't I do agree with Cam. You you're not gonna ask people to miss blocks, miss tackles, give away touchdowns. Yeah, right. you're not doing that. You're already playing the bottom end of your depth chart at a lot of positions. There's whether it be injuries, ineptitude, whatever. But the, the question I actually want to ask you is so I believe the Patriots are locked in to pick two to five, correct? Somewhere in the two to five range. Yeah, it's basically the case. Yeah. I think there's like one scenario where they could fall to six. Okay. But it's like. So do you believe, like, how much do you care? I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask, how much do you care or differentiate between if they pick two, three, four, five? Um, I think it's a big deal. Uh, I think that if you pick number two, you have your chance at taking. Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams, a franchise-altering quarterback. Now, Jaden Daniels is moving up boards. Michael Penix balled out on on mm-hmm. uh, Monday night and looks like he could be a first half of the top or first half of the first round type of player. But at the end of the day, if you have a top two pick, you have your choice at one of the premier players, um, and you also have a better chance at trading down if you if you don't like it and you know gaining more draft yep. capital. So. That versus five, I think, is a big deal. I mean, now, granted, if you land at five, you're going to still have your chance at a premier player. Don't get me wrong. Like, that's still a good pitch to be. But I do think there's a difference. And so as a fan, as a media member, analyst, whatever you want to call it, like, I do think I want them to lose so that they have a better chance at getting a, you know, they have their choice at a more premier player where when they're here at five, less people are there. You know, the, the board falls a different way. Um, so that's kind of what I feel about the, the difference between two and five. As is usual, you package it in a more kind way. Um, I think it's a disaster if you fall out of the top four. Disaster <laughs> okay. if you pick five or All six. Right. Absolute. If I'm at, because this is what I, you mentioned the guys, but you have Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Marvin Harrison. I want one of those yeah. four. If I'm picking five, yep. I'm not probably getting one of those four. I think there's a good chance that anything can happen between now and then. We, we get caught up in the, the now right. and like whatever but i mean seriously like uh, and i talk about Penix from the other night like if he goes out and you know shreds michigan's defense and throws for 400 yards and you know five touchdowns like he's gonna be yep. he'll, he'll be considered a top five pick he'll jump daniels on a lot of boards people will start to fall on drake may like we haven't even got to the senior bowl and yep. the you know the combine so like you said things are gonna change but the way i see it now five is going to be oh they should take the best player available the best tackle the best this and i hate it i gotta be honest if i were at five i might think about trading down Um, and maybe i could take Penix at nine or 12 or and then get another pick and do something get somebody's pick for next year whatever i think it's i think you have to be in the top four um and uh, some of that is probably um greedy or whatever too for our purposes of coverage in the offseason and being able to really focus on almost anyone because the bears having justin fields and the number one pick 
opens up the possibility that anything could happen. They could stay pat and take Marvin Harrison, stay pat and take mm-hmm. a quarterback, and then Fields is available. They could trade down and try to pull like a Danny Ainge, Jason Tatum. Oh, we want Marvin Harrison, but we think we can take him three, so we trade. Yep. Like anything could happen, and I want anything to be a possibility for the Patriots and for the draft. So I really want the Patriots to be preferably top three, but definitely top four. And anything yeah. after that, I'm feeling sad about everything. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Okay. Uh, it's it. It'll help our draft coverage. That's indeed. Um, So that's our uh, big picture chat of the week as we do. But this is indeed Cadillac's crucial clashes. You know, each and every week he brings us the three critical matchups that break down this massive football game between Bailey Zappi and Trevor Simeon. Yes, uh, Zach Wilson's already been ruled out for the game, so you won't see him. Patriots have beaten the Jets 15 times in a row. So if this were like an SAT list, you'd be picking the Patriots to win a 16th time in a row because the series says that's how this trends. Um, yep. But I actually think this is a pick them, flip a coin kind of game. Like, <clears throat> I mean, when you have a quarterback who likes to start games by turning the ball over on the first play of the game, anything can happen. Anything. Yep. You can easily win, lose, whatever. Um, so you have two teams which backup quarterbacks, questionable quarterbacks, Good defenses, although the Jets' defense is actually trending very much in the wrong direction. They've given up like 25 points each of the last three games. They've lost seven of nine in New York. Obviously, it petered out the dream of Aaron Rodgers coming back and this being like an Aaron Rodgers finale to try to make the playoffs. Yeah, that Um, was a thought, like even within the last couple weeks that Rodgers would be playing in this game. Yep, yep. That would have changed things. That would have made things interesting in a different way um so as i said there's chance of more than an inch of snow i think falling during the game you could get a snowball type game which i love i think the atmosphere would be fun um it'll be interesting to see what the crowd is like um because i know there's sort of like differing thoughts like oh a snow game jets patriots that sucks i'm not going there or bill belichick's last game i want to be in the building for matthew slater's last game maybe matthew slater's last game i want to give standing ovations and be there for what could be a historic uh, flexion point in the history of the organization or something like that. Um, so there's subplots, I guess, in this game, which on the surface doesn't look like a great game. But where does Mike Cadlick with his crucial clashes for the final time in the 2023, yep. for the first time in the 2024 calendar year? Oh, yeah. Where does Cadlick's crucial clashes go first in this one? All right. So I'm going to preface it first by saying that if you go and read my column at WEEI.com, there is two matchups, and then there's one that's a fun matchup and that we'll get to on the third one. Um, but okay. the first one is a real on-field matchup, and it is big bad Quinn and Williams on the Jets defensive line versus this Patriots interior offensive line because uh, Quinn and Williams, though he's been hurt a few games this year and hasn't played, um, he's one of the best defensive tackles in football. Uh, he already made the Pro Bowl over Christian Barmore, which I thought was wrong because Barmore's played more and has better stats. But I think at the end of the day right now, Williams is probably a better player. Stats just aren't there this year. But still, he has two sacks. I think he has almost 40 tackles, um, a forced fumble, and I think he has an interception too. So he just kind of – he mucks it up on the interior offensive line. And uh, going against David Andrews, who, you know, solid pro, played every – every started every game this year. Um, you know, we said all the, we know David Andrews is consummate pro that nothing to say against that, but on his left and right is going to be city. So, and then either Antonio Mafia or Jake Andrews. So whatever way you want to dice it, it's Andrews and 
a rookie on each side versus Quentin Williams on the interior. So they're going to move him around. They're going to, they're going to stunt him. They're going to, you know, he's going to be all over the place and it's going to be tough for them to match up against. So uh, I'm watching to see now Antonio Mafi last week was tough. Well, was bad. They put in Jake Andrews. He played pretty well, um, but Jake Andrews comes in and plays his first, you know, real snaps in the NFL last week. And now this week he comes in and if they start him at left guard and he has to go against Quinn Williams, like that's tough. And so uh, this is sort of one of the things I'm looking at as far as like, you know, tanking, not tanking, but playing the younger guys and seeing what you have. Like this is where it can get ugly quick. If it's Quinn and Williams versus a guy like Jake Andrews on the inside. And that's been the measuring stick the last year plus because Cole Strange hasn't done a great job with Quinn and Williams. And everybody's like, oh, bad matchup. He's Quinn and right. Williams. And it's like, yeah, I mean, there's some truth to that. But you're also a first round pick. And I drafted yep. you to be decent. Um, you know, there's a lot here because I do think Quinn and Williams is a dominant player when he's. And it's funny. I didn't know he had an interception that you threw, you threw in there. Yeah. Like, Ed Oliver had an interception last week. Are we going to give him an interception another week in a row to a defensive yeah, right. tackle? Um I also think the Patriots will try to run the football. Mm -hmm. um, the Jets run defense statistically is the weakness of their defense. Hasn't been great. Patriots have run the ball, I would say, up and down inconsistently at times this year. It was at the best right before Stevenson got hurt. My guy Kevin Harris gave it a little jolt last week with that 15-yard run. But uh, He still can't get week. us in the end zone, huh, for the anytime touchdown? No. It's yeah. coming, though. This might be the week. I might, might ride be. that train again. Yeah. Only takes one. It only yep. takes one. You got to keep swinging. Um, so I agree with this. And and the offensive line is funny. It's such an interesting um, sub story, I guess, of the team in a way. Like David Andrews is really good, really professional, really awesome. And then like one spot away, you have the Trent Brown affair. And it's like, yeah, he doesn't play all the time. He's not a leader, like just the juxtaposition of those two. Yeah. And then the overall story of the line that we've been talking about literally since like the first day of camp and Bill saying, this is not how we expected it to play out. And me thinking funny, cause this is exactly how I thought it would play out. Cause everybody, crap. How everybody like, expected it. Yeah, to play like out. what yeah. are we doing here, Bill? Um, but yeah, no, this is a, cause that front is a good front, even beyond Quinn and Williams. Right. And that matchup could easily decide this game. And then you mix in a little snow and like, how does that affect things and game plans? And even though I've always been a, an advocate, cause I saw it firsthand of if it snows and it's like a snow game, the short passing game is where to go. I saw Tom Brady do it in the freaking yep. blizzard at, at Foxborough stadium. So um, we'll see how that all plays out. But yeah, Quinn and Williams against city. So Jake Andrews and uh, Antonio Maffi. That's um. I feel like I'll give the advantage to Quinn and Williams there. Yeah, I feel like I would too. Um, even with David Andrews, who I respect, yeah. I'm not sure he's as good as he was maybe two right. or three years ago. Um, so that's advantage Jets. Doesn't mean the Jets are going to win by any means. but mm -hmm. um, that. So that's our first one. Second Cadillac's crucial clash is after we get past Quinn and Williams, which by, Christian Barmore, I agree with you. I think he's the closest thing to a pro bowler. I'm not sure he deserved to go. Mm -hmm. but I do think he's the only guy that really I saw some Jabril Peppers questions and I'm like I like Jabril Peppers but I'm not sure like Kyle Hamilton's been awesome. yeah that kid's like, a monster yep. I mean I'm not sure that's a, a I, I think Barmore could easily be in the Pro Bowl I, guess. I agree so, okay I think he's the one second crucial clash of this game all right so the first one is where the Jets will dominate with Quinn and Williams the second one might be where the Patriots can even though it's against 
one of the better running backs in football in Brees Hall. It's yep. Brees Hall versus this Patriots run defense because Patriots run defense is still the best in football. They only average or they only let up 3.2 yards a carry. Uh, they've allowed the second least rushing yards in football with just under 1,400 yards. Uh, I think that's only second to the Bears. Um, but again, the yards per carry is where, you know, is what matters in their first in the NFL. Only Can I ask you a question on those sure. numbers? Um, I know you're a, uh, an analytics guy. You dig deeper. Because um, yeah. I, I, be. I, <laughs> I agree with you that the um, the run defense is awesome and the yeah. numbers back it up. Do those numbers – because I also feel like the Patriots, even when they give up yards, it's either a jet sweep, an end around, a quarterback scramble. I feel like if you just – if you just measured sort of traditional runs, running back runs, I feel like their numbers might be even better because yeah. I think some of it, that includes some of the non-traditional or gimmicky or schemed right. runs in there. No, that's when a good just, point. I don't have you just the try numbers, to line up yeah. and run against them. They they tell you to Kembe Matumbo, you're not doing it. You're hundred percent. So okay, proceed. Sorry. Yeah, no. So, it, but Brees Hall's been awesome this year. Um, you know, just under a thousand yards, eight sixteen, I think, but. Uh, you know, almost four and a half yards a carry. Um, and even in the passing game, I know this doesn't really, you know, it, go with the clash because I'm really talking about the Patriots run defense, but he has almost 600 yards through the air too and almost 50 catches. So he is a, you know, a premier running back both through the air and on the ground. Um, and the Patriots need to stop him. And they did their first time. Brees Hall in their first game had 12 carries for 18 yards in week three. That is 1.5 yards per carry. So that's good. They shut that. That is that is damn good against a better running back. Now, granted, Hall was coming off an ACL tear, and I think that was you know his third game back or whatever. And so he's he's gotten his legs under him, you know, coming up now throughout the season. But they shut him down last time. Let's see if they shut him down this time. Uh, they're not going to make Trevor Simeon want. They're not going to want Trevor Simeon to have to beat the Patriots. They're going to rely on the run game, uh, and it's going to be up to the Patriots to stop Brees Hall and have the Jets go to Trevor Simeon. So uh, I'm watching this matchup on Sunday as well. And we can use this as an opportunity to praise, um, you know, people talk about Trent Brown, whatever happened there, or J.C. Jackson or, or Jack Jones. Um, we can use this as a quick opportunity to praise some people that I think have been true professionals. Um, Jelani Tavai, we've talked about for a while now, playing his ass off, a little dinged up, excuse me, last week. And he's been great down the stretch. He's a part of that. Uh, I think Anthony Jennings has made himself some money and put himself on my radar, at least as a guy oh, yeah. that I'd like to see as part of this defense moving forward and probably a cost effective piece of the defense moving forward. I don't think you're gonna have to break the bank to right. keep him around. Um, you know, Bentley, some of those guys, the safeties being involved in the run game, obviously Barmore, um, Dietrich Wise, who I think has been a great leader and professional on that side of the ball, maybe similar to the way David Andrews has on his side of the ball. So, you know, those guys have played well. They put up the numbers. I think they've been, for the most part, true professionals and sort of embodied what you want a Patriots type player to be. Um, and if they can do it one more time, I think that's up because if you make the Jets throw, that's going to really open things up for your defense to make some plays in the snow and, and kind of sway the game. So, yeah, I like the uh, I like the second matchup as long yep. as uh, Brees Hall doesn't have like an 80 yard run on this mm -hmm. third play of the game or something. Well, that's what they did. I think uh, there was one game where somebody just 
but it might not have been Brees Hall. It couldn't have been because he only had 18 carries. But, you know, there was one game where the Patriots were dominating against a running back. And then all of a sudden he bursted up for like an 80-yard carry. It was like, yep. oh, it was Raheem Mostert against the Dolphins. That's what it was. And that's yep. what basically sealed the game for them. So, so yeah, and that's that's the reality when you are leaning on a run defense. It's almost mm-hmm. like a cornerback who can have 17 snaps where he had perfect coverage. But if he gives up an 80-yard touchdown on the 18th snap, it looks like he had a bad game. And Bingo. this run defense is such a key part of their success that y- you can be good for most of the game. But if you let up a couple chunk plays, it can change the game. Or even you know, a week ago when I thought the catch that Duggar gave up to Kincaid really mm-hmm. swayed the game. Like the fine line between winning and losing is really one play. You flip the field, they're in scoring range. They right. put it in and like now you lose by one score. Um, okay, so those are the first two. The third and final Cadillac's crucial catch, not only of the game, but of the season. Yep. Maybe of all time if we scrap this stupid podcast for next year, <laughs> but that's a topic to be had in the offseason. Yep. Cadillac's third crucial clash for the season finale. All right. Uh, it is the final clash, and it is the most fascinating clash of the season, which is why I made it last and which is why I tried to make it fun in this one. It's Bill Belichick versus Robert Kraft, and it's Ooh, off the fighting. Field. It's not on. Well, that's death that's kind of celebrity death match. Yeah, we're gonna do a celebrity death match after the game on the field in the snow. Kraft versus Bill. Um, but no, it's 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 more so a a matchup clash. You know, it's a clash that's gonna happen after the season and next week. But Robert Kraft's gonna be there. He's gonna be watching the game. He's gonna have his eyes on Bill. He's gonna have his eyes on the fans. He's gonna have his eyes on how this team plays for Bill Belichick in this game. So really. This is Bill's final push to Robert to say, I still can and want to coach this team, and they still fight for me. So the question is, can he do enough? You know, can they run up the score on the Jets? Can Bill the Gillette Stadium crowd going keep the stands full until the end of the game? Or, or are they going to get their doors blown off by Trevor Simeon's Jets? Are the fans going to hit the showers and leave early because it's snowing and there's no final send off for bill because they're down 52 to four and you know, Slater doesn't get his standing. O because the game stinks. So, so that's kind of, that's what I'm watching here. And that's why I think this is truly the most fascinating clash of the entire year because Robert pays attention to that stuff. Jonathan pays attention to that stuff. They want to see their stadium filled in the snow in a beautiful sunny day. Like it doesn't matter. They want to see that. And so, I know he's going to be watching Bill closely, and I know, I know Bill knows that Robert's going to be watching how things play out on Sunday. So that's why I'm making, even though we talked about it, we already hashed out Bill versus uh, Robert before that, before this on the show. Um, I do. I think this is uh, this is really Bill's last hurrah to show Robert that this is my team and I can continue coaching here. So um, there's a few layers to this for me. First of all, does he want to? Right. Because if they've already decided to mutually part ways, then that means Bill doesn't really want to show that he can still coach this team. He might be doing what players doing quote, putting it on tape for the next employer that even in a bad year, I'm, I'm finishing the job and my players play for me, blah, 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 which I find interesting. Um, The second aspect of this for me is the crowd thing. Cause I've talked about this, even with my own son who was thinking of driving up there and like, trying to get tickets last minute that are really cheap. And I was like, I don't know if they'll be available because if people believe it's Bill's last game, people may be interested in being at his last game. And that right. may drop the cost up on the secondary market. Um, 
third is something you mentioned. It's a guarantee that sometime in the final five minutes, Matthew Slater will be on the biggest outdoor TV in America and fans will give him a standing ovation. Like it's a guarantee. Mm -hmm. Will that happen with Bill Belichick? Should it happen? Because are, are you leading the witness? For example, if you do that and the crowd goes nuts, is Bill like, they're firing me. That's Mm -hmm. why I'm on the, they're, they're giving me my last ovation before they flip some the birds. (laughs) Would he go to somebody and say, listen, I don't care what Robert says to you. I'm not to be on that big board at any point in this football game. Would Robert go to somebody and tell him to do it specifically? Would somebody do it just on their own? And is there a message being sent or is it just natural? Would you do it? So I think the reading of the tea leaves and because it's such a traditional thing, like even they do it all the time in basketball, like take a guy out in the fourth quarter so he can get the right standing ovation, whatever. I just remember Robert, remember, uh, Brad Stevens did it with Taco Fall. He brought him in the game and he gave him the wave. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So I think that's interesting there. Cause like I said, I think it's a guarantee that Slater gets it and he should like give him his, but the unknown of Belichick's future. Are you like showing your hand one way or the other? Would he want it, not want it? Because, right. and, and I think the crowd is like pregame, he'll probably be on it, like warm ups. He'll be in his little just like watching stuff. And at some point, he'll either be in the background, foreground. And I think the crowd will acknowledge him and acknowledge sure. it. Um, but I'm interested in that late in the building, like how they handle any visuals of Bill on the big board. I know it's going to be, I know you're right. Because again, who, who tells video, who tells like the internal video people what to say and what not to say at the, or what not to show at that point? Like I remember when they showed Taylor Swift and there was a thing where like, well, she didn't want to be on it. And why was she on? like, it, it's just right. it, to, to, to think about that and who's in whose ear and, you know, in marketing and to do that is, is pretty fascinating because you're right. Like there could be two people. It could be, you know, like you said, Burr's bears earlier saying, don't show him. And Robert's side saying, no, show him like we were. So it's good. That's a good point. And we'll uh, we'll be sure to keep an eye on it, and uh, I'll, I'll tweet it out whether or not something happens, and we'll have that. So, and it's almost like I keep making the basketball comparison, but when Kyrie comes to the Garden, or when he yeah. did, it's they boo every time he touches the bat. Will there be like a cheer every time Bill is in any way involved with anything? Like if Bill steps on the field to throw a challenge flag, is the place going to go nuts? Oh like yeah. Is, is anything he does going to be magnified by the crowd? So, and it is. It's worthwhile because it's history. He's, right. Certainly the greatest coach this team has ever had. Probably the greatest coach in the history of Boston sports. Red Arbach and the Celtics probably make an argument there. But um and like it could be over. Like this is this is a key point in the history of football, Belichick, the Patriots, everything. Um, so we'll be watching. Now, give me your prediction for how the game, the game itself actually plays out. All right. Um, the Patriot, I'll say it right off the top. The Patriots win Bill Belichick's potential last game in Foxborough. Um Patriots win, Jets lose. It's good. what are you giving me that look for? <laughs> I just I and, thought you were going to be a little more definitive cuz you said Patriots win, Bill Belichick's potential last uh, game. I know, I know. Instead I was going to say last game but earlier I waffled, so <laughs> uh potential last game, but it's ugly. 9-7 Patriots win in the snow. Gross. Maybe th- that that says three field goals from Chad Bryland in the snow, which is hilarious too, but uh, Imagine if he does that. That'd be awesome. I know. Chad hits three short field goals. The Jets score one bogus touchdown. Um, and it's low scoring and it's ugly, but it's Bill's potential last game in the snow. 
Um, and it's a fun one and it's exciting because we don't know what's going to happen next week, but I'm looking forward to all of it. So I'll give the Patriots a nine, seven win in this one because the jets stink. And I think the Patriots just stink a little bit less. Okay. Uh, I like it. It doesn't sound, I, I mean, I don't know how entertaining it's going to be. It's going to be interesting. Um, I love the Ryland aspect of it. Um, mm-hmm. because I think that'll, some people might hate him if he if he goes three for three to win a game that costs them a pick. Now they're mad at him again for making kicks when they right. were mad at him previously for missing kicks. But he he won in Denver. Like is Chad Ryland making field goals the reason you miss out on the quarterback of the future? Like the whole that'll it's be awesome. Fun, yeah, that's a fun little talking point. But um, I'll push everybody over to the uh, other part of the Six Rings uh, and Football Things feed where Fitzy and I will have our traditional preview of the game. We're also going to have a Behind Enemy Lines podcast talking to a member of the Jets media because there's a lot going on in New York where Aaron Rodgers didn't play. The Jets have a top 10 pick. Will they be a Super Bowl contender next year? Robert Sala is safe, I think, but some people think he might not be safe. Like there's a there's a lot going on in New York. So we'll break that down. Um, And I just hope we have an entertaining, interesting football game. I appreciate the snow for joining the mix to help maybe even make it look a little bit better. Yep. Bill Belichick, final game. This is, it's an interesting finale. I don't know that it's a good finale when you're picking in the top five, they're picking in the top 10 and coaches are going to be canned, but it's an interesting season finale in Foxborough. And, and Bill's Bill's most hated team in the Jets is who he gets to potentially finish off his tenure yep. with. It adds another it's layer perfect. to it. It is, yep. it's good stuff. It is good theater. And we have hoped uh, all year that we brought you good theater with Cadillac's Crucial Clashes. We did our best. We didn't know this team was going to stink. No, I only thought they'd be bad. I didn't think they were going to stink. I didn't think the record would be this poor. Um, Cadillac thought they were going to be good. We someone had said, someone on this podcast said they were going to be 11-6, and six, and that wasn't Andy. And so. Cadillac's <laughs> Crucial Clashes would have felt a lot more crucial for an 11-win football yes, team fighting for a playoff spot. But we did our best. We hope you enjoyed it or at least listened and took it in each and every week. We will be back all off-season long, and don't worry, Mike Cadlick will be an active member of the Six yes, Rings podcast feed all off-season as we turn our attention after Sunday to draft prep, quarterbacks, trades, positioning, free agency. The most interesting season finale in Patriots history will be followed by the most interesting off-season in Patriots history. Yep. Six Rings will be there all along to uh, chronicle it with Mike Cadlick. Mike, want to thank you for uh, joining us all 18, we are 17 weeks of the season. Of and course. Uh, hope we have a fun. I was going to, I will say, we're going to, we're going to pepper the, the Six Rings feed with a multitude of draft coverage one way or the other all off season long. Uh, right. That'll come. So make sure you, you stick around, rate, review, subscribe, all of it, because it's going to be good and we're going to have some fun with it. So thanks for tuning in. And make sure you read everything on WEEI.com. I know it's a forgotten medium, so to speak, the written word, but we still do that over there. So click on the website. We would appreciate it. Hope you had a a good season listening all year long. Mike Cadillac, thank you. Tuning out for the last time, signing off for the final time here on Cadillac's Crucial Clashes. This is Six Rings and Football Things brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more.